this is a perfect example. I think the reason we wanted to have you on, and I know we're kind of running at the end of time here, is because you have a lot of experience. We respect you because you both have demonstrated the uh, longevity of continued education and, and continuing to expand, but also you've kept your reputation really, like, really, really good. A lot of our listeners are people wanting to get in real estate either as a realtor or as an investor. Any suggestions to those people who, you know, are wanting to get started that you wish you may have known when you had started? All right, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, Kate and I are here with a special guest. We're doing a follow-up episode to podcast number 97 about a deal review we did. Uh, we have with us today Scott Meadows. He's the broker over at Venture Realty Group and also the owner of Venture Property Management. Scott, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. I'm excited because we finally get to bring this thing full circle after way back, like you were saying, back in episode 97. So I think we're really excited just to jump in and see how this deal was truly a win-win. We talk about win-wins all the time and being able for both parties here, actually all three parties, the seller, us, and then also you, Scott, have a tri triple wins across the board. It's just a good feeling to have this come full circle. Absolutely. Yes. It feels so weird saying Scott, not like somebody saying it to me. There were three Scots in this transaction. There were, yes. So we've got some fun stories on this one. Before we jump into kind of this specific deal, can you give us a little context? You've been in the business a lot longer than us. You obviously have a breadth of knowledge. You have your broker's license. You're in property management. How did you even get into the industry? Uh, yeah, I think you guys were in junior high when I got my license. But uh, I believe it. Yeah, so 2004, uh, we bought our first rental property, my wife and I. Um, and uh, in 2005, I was looking at the numbers and talking to the neighbors around the property that we had bought and realized that if they were buying that property now on a 30-year mortgage, it would be $3,000 a month. And I'm looking around at the people there going, these people don't make $3,000 a month, let alone they're going to be able to buy a, a property. So I went to my wife that night and I said, I think we should sell this house. I said, I think we've gotten to a point where this is not sustainable. And so... She agreed. We wound up um, getting the tenants out a little bit early before their lease. We came to an agreement, let them out, um, got the property on the market. I think we made $104,000 in that one year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was 29. And to me, that was just an incredible amount of money. I was making, I think, $15 an hour at a laboratory with, with my degree. And now I got 104 extra thousand bucks. So yeah. I, wound, I, I took that money. I... Uh, Paid off all of our debt, kind of got stupid with it, remodeled our house. And then I wound up starting a, a motorcycle accessory shop in San Diego with a friend. I don't ride motorcycles. I don't like motorcycles. I never rid a motorcycle. So that was, <laughs> it turned out to be a really bad idea. And I lost all of my money. <laughs> and yeah. in 2008, I, I managed to scrounge up what I had left from the business failing down there. And I thought, you know what? I made money in real estate and prices are crazy low right now. So I'm going to jump back in. So I started buying rentals again and started looking into it and thinking, you know, how can I give myself credibility to all these people that are in the industry? And I thought I'd get my license and uh, just jumped right in, got my broker's life license right off the bat. 
started working with an agent uh, in town that he had been like really big during the boom, but he had kind of fallen on hard times and he, we partnered up and it, it didn't really work out, but he taught me a lot. And uh, eventually I wound up starting my own company after I left Prudential. And how long ago did you start your own company? I actually started my company in 2014. Wow. So you're coming up on 10 years already. Almost nine years. Yeah. That's fantastic. Can we jump back? What was your four-year degree in? Uh, chemistry. Chemistry. Yes. Well, I mean, it's clear you're a really smart guy. What What was drawing you to chemistry? I always I was just a nerd. I like chemistry. And you were working in a lab for 15 an hour. I, I yeah, I worked in. I actually wound up working in three labs. I worked at two environmental labs, testing water and soil, and then I moved on and worked. Actually, after I had my license, I kind of part time did real estate and, and part-time did work. And I worked at uh, Duncan Enterprises. Oh, okay. I was a paint chemist. Wow. Yeah. So rewinding even a little bit too, how does a lab chemist end up buying a rental property before you're even really exposed to real estate? Did it just kind of stumble into your lab? Well, or no, how does no. that happen? We bought our first <laughs> house in 2002. Okay. So we bought it. Uh, it was, I think it was a real, I think they gave us a 103% loan. That's what wow. crazy things were back then. They give you they give you more money than the house costs to buy a house. And this was for your primary? This was for my okay. primary. And we were paying mortgage insurance. And then it was like a year later, we were able to refinance and get rid of the mortgage insurance and lower our payment. And I was looking at it, I was like, we had like, we made like $60,000 in this last year on this house. I was like, what if we bought another house and kind of just repeated? And our original plan was to start buying one a year, but then things got so crazy by 2005, instead of wanting to buy more, I wanted to get out because it looked crazy. Do you, so. I don't mean to like jump around topics too much, but mm-hmm. I mean, you accurately did predict what happened. What we're seeing now feels reminiscent where we see the average sales price in 2020 go from 290 to now it's 420. Do you see history repeating itself or do you see circumstances different because the lending situation? I'll tell you what, by the beginning of 2022, it felt the same, but it's not the same. Hmm. You know, I can see why people would look at it and go, this is all going to happen again. But it's, it's, if you look behind the scenes, it's all different. It, the, all the re- the causes of everything, it's, it's completely different. Interesting. I thought yeah. I would just get your opinion because that's surprising to me that you weren't in real estate. You were obviously academically educated. You're a smart guy. You saw some temporary massive gains and you said you know what let's not gamble here let's take our winnings and move on and uh then you were smart enough even after you had that venture fall through with the uh, motorcycles to then get back into real estate at arguably not even arguably the best time to be getting into purchasing real estate yeah well and that's what i was going to say like one of the biggest lessons too i don't know who we had on um recently but like when everyone's going left you go right and Diego. when Diego when shit's hitting the fan in 2008 and every you know all the fear all the everything bad going on everybody's going left Scott goes right and gets his feet wet again and starts investing in real estate I think that's freaking awesome yeah yeah well I've always been pretty level-headed and I and I didn't bring up that I actually have a master's in business so uh. I did have the background <laughs> to be able to see some of that stuff gotcha um but you no, know, to me it made it was it seemed obvious to me, but there was a lot of people a lot of people smarter than me that were saying no, this isn't going to go this way. This has just been a new, 
we've reached a new level of real estate that matches kind of what you're seeing in Europe. And we just we just got there later. And there was a lot of compelling arguments I was hearing, but I was think I just kept thinking like this is all based on these really crazy loans. Just come get a loan at one percent interest rates is negative amortizing, and then it'll be fine. With the house will be worth a hundred thousand dollars more next year, and you can refinance out. And I'm thinking like, how long can that go on? Yeah, <laughs> it just seemed like Not, gambling to me. And, apparently, only about yeah. four or five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was in 2005, so like less than less a year. than a year at that point. Yeah. But they've been going on since like 2001. One, yeah, Jeez. crazy. Well, let's fast forward. You've done a lot of different things. Um, but in regards to the deal we're talking about today, you and I have crossed paths a few times at meetups and things like that. Um, but out of the blue one day, you had approached me at a meetup and you were like, hey, I'm looking for wholesalers. I'm looking to buy some property. What was going mm-hmm. through your head before you had walked up to me? Kind of what were you hoping to do? Well, I was letting everybody know that I'm looking to buy wholesale deals. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it was, well, the market slowed down in 2022 for us, yeah. for real estate agents. And I had some extra time. I, I focused a lot of time on my property management business, got that really streamlined and cleaned up. And I was thinking, I I don't see why I wouldn't flip homes now. I think it was like, I always waited for the right opportunity for there to be less demand on homes. And we had that in 2022. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to jump back in and see if I could get some wholesale deals. And uh, luckily I talked to you that day because I'd had, I'd had some people sending me stuff, but most of it was no good. <laughs> well, that's usually how most most wholesalers operate. Yeah. Wholesale deals are often very, very thin yeah. for the flipper. And that's yeah. part of why we wanted to have you on was because it really turned out to be where everybody won. There was no, yeah. you know, pulling the covers over somebody's eyes. Yeah. Um, I told Cade this on the podcast on episode 97. Dude, I didn't even want to go to that meetup. I only went because I was like, I need to go because I know that it's important for me to talk to people. And so like after you and I had talked, I called Caden. I was like, dude, you won't believe this. Like I got a couple of people who want to go look at this terrace deal. And I know that we're thinking about flipping it. But like if this goes off market, like this could be an easy turnaround for us. And sure enough, after a little bit of time, you know, you went out to the house and I'd love to hear kind of what your thoughts were when you first went out there. And then, um, you know, we all, we ultimately obviously ended up working together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went out there and, um, I've just been a real estate agent for a long time. So like, I think I get a pretty good feel of houses when I walk in there and I, my thought walking through it was, I can see why somebody wouldn't want to flip this house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a spiral staircase going to the upstairs and, you know, getting furniture up there is going to be difficult, not impossible, but difficult. And I, and I, and, uh, the person that lived there apparently had been disabled and they had a, a toilet and a shower and yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. The going toilet on the, in the shower was in a look. the shower. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the shower was half of a fairly good sized bathroom, mm-hmm. yeah. which is just weird. Uh, but I looked at it and I thought, you know, I could think I can make this work. Um, I don't, I think we had really talked about, I think you're talking about 200,000 is what you kind of were thinking about putting it on market at. And I looked at it and go, I think I can do 185 cause I think I could probably worst case scenario, get 250 for this house, but probably more like 275. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's going to cost me about $50,000 to do. Um, so those numbers made sense. I, I think I threw 185 at you and you guys were like, yeah, that's about what we were hoping for. So, <laughs> well, I think for us, because when we had told you that 200 number, that was us factoring in paying agent fees, closing costs, things like that. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, at this point we had already purchased the home, we owned it. So we had already paid a section of the closing costs. Mm -hmm. But when you had reached back out about that 185, we had a discussion and it was mostly about like, what's our net? If, if you're buying this from us and we feel good that you're a reputable guy, we obviously hadn't done any deals with you directly, Mm -hmm. but we've seen you around long enough to know that you have a good reputation. We were looking at it as like, okay, we're off by 5,000 bucks or something like that for what we'd net. And we were like, you know what? If this makes Scott money, it builds a relationship there. He makes money. So then he's a new buyer that works with us. Like, I think that was our thought process. And, um, you know, at the end of the day too, the the value of like what you're talking about, the spiral staircase being on an exterior to a fully detached room. There were a few things where we were like, hey, we could make potentially a lot more. But on the safe end, this is this is a pretty solid deal, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, well, and I want to go back to because I mean, you said it right with kind of these intricacies that were going on with the house. It a lot of people may shy away from wanting to take that risk and do that flip. So when you're going through it and looking at it, what obviously made you think something different that that was a project that you wanted to come in and fix up and flip? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I thought I could make it work. I've, I've sold a lot of houses. So to me, it's like, I, I, I went in there and I looked at it and thought, I think, I think I can get a buyer for this. It's in the right price range. It's going to be the right, you know, number of bedrooms and bathrooms. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a little bit of a weird setup, but I think I can get somebody to buy this and it worked out. And actually I, from what I understand, the buyer is just, he loves the house. He thinks it's fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. That's a fourth that's the win. fourth win yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And let's talk about kind of this initial process where we were discerning working together. Mm-hmm. Um, you had reached out. Typically, the way that we operate is that there's no real inspections or anything like that. It's an as-is deal. You being a broker, us being realtors, the previous seller being a realtor, all of us kind of knew how the regular traditional sales route looks. Mm-hmm. And we had talked with you about, hey, you're going to put in a $5,000 non-refundable EMD at the 185. You're locked up. You're good to go. Um, and you kind of had reached back out and said, mm, I'm not fully certain I want to do that. But let's talk about that because some wholesalers and some buyers, I think, would have let that kill the deal. And I think for both of us, it was beneficial to just let the other person get a little bit of what they wanted, kind of find a compromise where you felt comfortable, but we also didn't have to worry about you know, potentially losing out on opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the way I was looking at it was there, you know, I, I did a walkthrough, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I didn't, not a home inspector. So if I had somebody go out there and tell me there was a $25,000 problem, suddenly now I'm losing money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was willing to put a thousand dollars in for, and just ask for four days. And you yep. were actually nice enough to say, you don't have to do that. Just go ahead and get your inspections done and then go take a look at it. So I appreciated that, but I would have happily put the thousand dollars in walking away from $5,000 hurts. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but like I said, if I had, if I'd been getting a house where I could have factored in a $25,000, oops. Yeah. yeah, Then I would have been like happy. If you had uh, bought it at our price, you could have done that. If I had bought it at your price, I would have (laughs) thrown the $5,000 in same day. Absolutely. (laughs) So, after we had talked, uh, we had told you this at lunch. Our thought was that we didn't really want to take any money from you if you decided it didn't make sense. Because again, 
the purpose for us was to develop a relationship with a new buyer. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the main, tell me if I'm wrong, that was yeah. the main reason we said, no, like just do your inspection 100%. and then let us know. Yeah. But like we had talked with you and we said, go do whatever inspection. And, and we had given you kind of a deadline of like whatever it was, Sunday. And mm-hmm. so you had the home inspector go out Saturday. What happened at that home inspection? Uh, it was, the house was, you know, it's a bow house. It was always a great house. And I could tell that when I first saw it, but uh, it did have $5,300 in termite work that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And that was not enough to kill it for me. I was willing to take that on. I wasn't going to go back to you guys and say, hey, it's got $5,000 more work than I thought. And I want you to re- reduce the price. I don't, I'm not going to play those games with people. Yeah. Um, I really, my reputation is going to be, it's always been important to me as a real estate agent and working with uh, wholesalers. I think it's even more important that I'm not the guy that cancels on you last day or tells you I need a price reduction two days before closing to try to get a better deal. I don't, I'm never going to be that guy. And it's really important to me. And yeah. I think a lot of people that really want to try to squeeze everybody for every penny they can and try to be shady about it, I think it, they wind up losing in the end. I really do. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I think, well, we've had that conversation not only internally, but also externally with people who want to be in buyers exact you know like that and flip properties and we're like look we you know maybe more so than some other people who do assign and wholesale deals are very try to be very strict and you know have kind of criteria that we like for the people that we work with and i think obviously the way our deal went down it was freaking smooth dude it was awesome yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because you being a broker, you understand how the reputation precedes your offer much more than a Mm -hmm. traditional just Joe Schmo investor. Mm -hmm. And I think especially for a guy like you who's been doing this a long time, you know that if you want to do a lot of these deals, sometimes you're going to have to bite the bullet on a a $5,300 expense. Mm -hmm. To continue to have that reputation where you get the opportunity to make an offer, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think, again, that's why Kate and I didn't really want to press you because we look at it and Kate kind of alluded to it. We prefer to work with what we would call a buyers who are people who are reputable, who we know can perform and we're happy to give them a better price, but we want it to go pretty much as smoothly as it can. You know, you can maximize it the same way a buyer tries to squeeze, you know, a wholesaler there are wholesalers that will try to squeeze every penny out of a deal and work with the uneducated person who they know is going to lose. And I think we typically don't want to operate like that because the same way as a buyer, your reputation precedes you as the wholesaler. If you're known as the guy who sells deals that (laughs) flop like that precedes you when your deals go out. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Okay. So you, you had a 53, was it 5,300? Yes. And was there anything else that came up? I know we had talked, we were planning on doing the roof, but I think you had mentioned the roof actually in a lot of places was better than expected. Yeah, I managed to get it certified. It was certified for two years. Fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, that's much better than what I think we were going to do. We had already gotten a roofer out there to to maybe get them on the schedule to just replace it. We didn't even ask to cert it. Yeah, I don't know what it would have cost to replace. I imagine probably twelve thousand yeah, or so i think that's what we were both parking around there and i got yeah. it certified for i believe it's 2700 fantastic cool. so, yeah a lot better than 12 grand <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh obviously the escrow went very smooth once we had hammered out because you had already done an inspection that's pretty atypical for these deals we trusted that you had the money for it we owned the property ourselves we weren't actually assigning anything we were selling it directly to you as the owners yeah after we closed escrow 
you pretty much took on this deal and you you handled it all yourself. Um, can you talk through a little bit? I know if you haven't been flipping a lot of properties, contractors can be an issue, uh, unexpected stuff, even when you get started. Was there anything like that that came up? Uh, no, actually, I've been working with a contractor. His name's Charles. He's 82 years old. I've been working with him since right after I got my license. Uh, and he's an amazing human being. He's just super reliable, knows what he's doing. He shows up on time, but he's 82. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> you know, he's uh, by himself a lot of times. And the guy was at the house. I I originally was going to hire the contractor you'd recommended to me. Yeah. But I had just had dinner with Charles and his wife like a couple weeks before I found this deal. And I was telling him about my plans and he, he stopped me after we had dinner. He goes, when you buy houses, give me a call. I'll help you. And normally Charles doesn't do big deals. He wants to do handyman stuff. Yeah. Know? Because he's 82. He wants to yeah. do things on his, his turn. But he was, the, I think he was just kind of inspired that I wanted to get into that. And I've been working with him for years. And I think Charles likes me. I love Charles. So uh, he he came out. Um, he helped me get through it. It took a little longer because he was, he he did sub out some of the jobs, but a lot of it he was doing himself. So I think it took a little longer than if I had hired a, a contractor with a crew. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was any cheaper going with him versus somebody else. But uh, I, I just, I love having him and I trust him. And I think we wound up building a, a really quality home at the end to get on the market and sell. Absolutely yeah. you did. Yeah. And talk through like just that, how much of a relationship that you've built over that those years when you don't have to worry about the contractor screwing you or doing things slimy, like slimy, mm -hmm. there's like a piece that comes with it. Even if it takes longer, you're not concerned that he's screwing you over. No, right? he would never do that, no. And right. I, I want the reputation Charles has when I deal with guys like you. I want you to know that this guy is not going to try to screw us in any way. And that's Charles. Well, and not only that, but like you said, having that quality product at the end and having yeah. that reputation that anything that Scott puts on the market that's a project that he's done is going to have that quality and that standard yes. for that buyer coming yes. in. Well, yeah. and did he have to help you with like any creative decision making? I know with the quirkiness of that house, hmm. I rely a lot on contractors on what the best solutions might be construction wise to fix what I would consider design stuff. Like, you know, I don't have any construction background. Did he help you with anything like that? You mean like getting a uh, like toilet out of a shower <laughs> well i mean i forgot i literally forgot about that but like even with that spiral staircase there was a lot of questionable things yeah no a spiral staircase is a quirk for the house but i don't think it was anything that could be fixed or needed to be fixed it's just how the house is and it's when you live there it's just something you're going to have to to deal with mm -hmm. uh the the bathroom was a, he was a huge help with the bathroom he actually came up with the idea of cutting the shower back to have like maybe two thirds of its size, which is still a big shower. And, and in moving the, the toilet, we found out where the toilet used to be was right where we put it back at. So it was, the subfloor was already all ready Perfect. to go through and put Perfect. the toilet right back there. Uh, there was a weird divider between the, the sink and the shower. And my yeah. wife, who is a certified interior designer, actually came in and says, I think you should take that, turn them into shelves on the wall. And so we did that. I mean, it was it was it took a lot of of really uh, moving stuff around in the bathroom, but it was way cheaper than completely gutting it and rebuilding a whole new bathroom. Probably yeah. a quarter of the cost. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a whole new bathroom in there would have been like ten grand because it was yeah. big and it Huge. really needed a lot changed. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's super cool. And your wife, being an interior designer, was she looking over the project before you bought it and giving you kind of ideas or not? Really? No. <laughs> 
See, my <laughs> wife is the opposite. My wife, when I when we go into the escrow, she'll want to like take a look at it and be like, you know, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. But she's not a designer. She just enjoys kind of yeah. giving ideas. She, uh, I told her when I bought it, I don't want you to see this house till we're done. Because <laughs> really? she would have flipped out if she had seen it as it originally set. <laughs> Now, I did take her out there uh, with my kids, actually, uh, probably a week after we bought it, after it had been kind of cleaned up, but we hadn't really started much work yet. Yeah. So I, I brought him out there to see it. This is our house, you know, for a little while. And we're awesome. going to fix it up and we're going to sell it. And she was skeezed out by the house when she <laughs> yeah. went over there because it was, you know, it's a wholesale deal. It's the reason you get it cheap is because it's a mess. Yeah, they're beat up. It's yeah. a fixer-upper. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> Actually, I let my son uh, film a movie there. He's into making little horror movies, and he filmed a movie there because he's like, oh, can I please make a movie here? It's like a, a new house, and it's all creepy looking. <laughs> you got to send us that video. I'd be curious I, to see what he did. I will, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, when we had it cleaned out, I felt like it actually looked a lot better than the original oh, time we had gone through. Well, and even with the landscaping in the front and the back, like pre-landscaping, I mean, that thing was a freaking jungle. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, was a horror house. The landscaping was huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was some there was some definite benefits there where we picked up a couple things to get started and then your price was like, it, it recouped that cost and then got us close to the profit. So it was still a win-win. You had the ability to kind of start right away on it mm -hmm. and then get going. Yeah. Um, any other major issues pop up? I know we had talked a little bit that uh, the structure right in front of the garage was leaning mm -hmm. and you were able to fix that. Yeah, it just had to be straightened. It was actually solid. Uh, one board had to be put in to stabilize it and then just put it up and just raise it back up and put it on the cement. It wasn't wasn't that big of an issue. Same with the gazebo in the front yard. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. I tore out all the fencing around the front yard that was just dilapidated because I really opened it up, made it look a lot better. It did. Yeah. Yeah, looking at the listing when you put it on the market, I was like, oh, that's so much better. Yeah. So much better. Um, and then remind me, what happened with that upstairs room? Did you Were you able to put in a split unit or something in there? Or what did you do with that upstairs air conditioning? There was a window AC in the downstairs bedroom. And we didn't need it because the house had a, a split up mini split. Mm -hmm. I think there was four units in the house. Uh, yeah. And so we didn't need that in there. I think that that was put in there maybe before that mini split was put in. And yeah. so I just moved it upstairs. It worked fine mm -hmm. and Perfect. blew plenty of cold air. So I just <laughs> stuck it in the window upstairs. Yeah. And uh, that saw there was no cooling up there before. That, I can't even imagine how yeah. hot that room would have been during the summer. <laughs> oh, it, it probably still is decently yeah. warm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Scott, you also told us another story that happened and i think it was towards um when you guys were all wrapped up and and getting ready to sell or were in the process of selling it on the back end that i think it was it was like a light light switch for us because like we knew doing something like that could be really beneficial and really helpful but it's it's easy to just gloss over it and forget about it so can you share what you're comfortable with with that story and kind of the takeaway and how it helped you on the sales side are you talking about the neighbor? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Scott. <laughs> so third Scott. The neighbor, he's a nice guy. I talked to him. He, he's a he's a little different, but he's a really nice guy. Um, he a little quirky. Um, I got the house on the market very first day. I think it was probably the second showing, and he calls me. You need to get these people to stop parking in front of my driveway, and I just had it out when I I just had to scream at this agent. 
because he, you know, he refused to move his car. And by the way, the, the driveway wasn't being used. It was full of weeds. And he was probably being a little weird about it. But if you're a real estate agent, try to follow the rules. Don't park in front of people's driveways. And if somebody confronts you about something like that, don't argue with them. Just move your car. Yeah. You're wrong. Yeah. Like, you're wrong. You parked in front of his driveway. That's not legal. Just move your car. There's no reason to start an argument. Also, your house has a driveway that he could have parked in, too. He did. It had a driveway. Park out front. Park in front of somebody else's house. Just don't park in front of the guy's driveway. Regardless, he screamed at the guy. And it kind of clicked for me that Scott wasn't getting anything out of this deal. And now I was becoming a nuisance. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I didn't intend to, and I didn't do anything wrong, but, you know, but, but because I'm trying to sell the house, now it's a nuisance for him. And I felt like I needed to give him some kind of incentive to be a little nicer <laughs> to anybody else that comes to the house, maybe yeah. not cause any more problems. So I went to, I was actually headed out of town and this was all done in a rush. I was like, what do I do? <laughs> Ran over to Walgreens, which is right on the other side of Blackstone. Bought a $100 gift, uh, Visa gift card. Went and knocked on his door. He came out. I said, hey, man, I just want to give you a gift to thank you for keeping an eye on the property, which he was. He would let me know if he saw anybody sketchy around or anything like that. And I, I said, I just want to thank you for keeping an eye on it. And I, I'm a re- I apologize for anybody that parked in front of your driveway. And I want to do something about that. I have open houses scheduled for Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to have the two agents, because I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to have the two agents that are doing those open houses bring cones with them and put them out in front of your driveway so nobody can park there during the open house. And he seemed to light up. He said, that would be fantastic. I really appreciate you doing that. And I didn't have any more issues from him for the rest of the transaction. See, and that's just so genius because that's taking somebody who could easily blow up a lot of buyers' opinion of the home. And I think by doing that, you not only kind of apologized for whatever had been transpired with that agent, you also showed him like, hey, not only am I grateful, I'm also going to go out of my way for future stuff. And my guess is that if people asked him, he would actually probably talk you up even more at that point. You've kind of reversed yeah. it. Instead of him being frustrated, he'd probably be more, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, that Scott guy was great. This house is perfect. This thing was built great. You know, something yeah. like that. I, hope, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. So did you have any interactions with him after? Oh, yeah. A few. Yeah. Mostly just saying hi and petting his dog. And he was he was nice. Yeah. Yeah. He was always home. I noticed. Uh, He's always home. Didn't have a car, as far as I could tell. Didn't, wasn't using his driveway oh, well. in any way. But uh, he's right. He's, people shouldn't be parking in front of uh, people's driveways. Yeah. It's, you're not allowed to do that. Well, how did those open houses go? I, I mean, from what I could see, the activity was pretty crazy uh, online. Yeah. As far as I could tell, they the two agents both had somewhere between 25 and 30 groups of people come Jeez. through. Wow. Yeah. That's a freaking killer open house right it is. there. Yes. <laughs> you had it priced right. What did you list it at? 284.9, I believe. So you had originally thought yeah. 250. Where did you get the 284.9? Well, 250 was kind of my, if, Your things, if things go wrong and I can't sell this house, this is probably what I'll be able to put on market and it'll sell no matter what price. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was 250. So 275 was originally where I thought I'll fix it up. It'll get there. And actually, when I was getting close to being done, I was like, this house is so nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna list it for a little bit more, and it wasn't bit. like a I want I, I I put more money into the deal than I meant to, so I need to make it back thing. I know better than that. I was just I thought it looked like really nice, so I I thought I could get more, and I listed it, and I wound up selling it for two ninety seven. Wow, yeah, twelve little over hair over twelve thousand more than yeah. the asking price. Yeah, 
freaking awesome. On our end, when we had ran the numbers, we had an optimistic best case scenario of 299. So it's kind of, you know, encouraging to hear that that was really the best case scenario was when you do the project well, you set it up right. Quality product. That was about the max that we could get. Yeah. Um, at that point, you, I mean, you got the, you know, 297. Um, did you have multiple offers or was it like, what did that look like for you? Because I know sometimes in this market, buyers are hesitant to pull the trigger, but that there's other buyers, like clearly the person that bought your home, they come out really strong to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So I did have, I had my first offer was 299, but it was a really low down payment loan. And I wasn't sure how the appraisal was gonna go. Hmm. I was maybe concerned that the upstairs could not be considered livable space, even though I did, I as far as I understood it, it should be, mm-hmm. and it was fortunately. But I, I was worried an appraiser would disagree with that. And so you never know. It, a lot of times, it just depends on the appraiser you get and and how they feel that day. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> wild card. <laughs> yeah. So uh, fortunately, he saw it the same way I saw it. That is livable space and usable, and it is part of the square footage, and it was included. And the appraisal came in no problems at two ninety seven. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. And and it turned out you found out in escrow who the buyer was. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, one of my wife's coworker friends. It was like her roommate's brother or something like that, and something crazy. I found out <laughs> the night that we went into escrow. I just accepted his offer, and then my wife gets a text, and she's like, "Is the guy's last name blah blah blah? This buying a house?" <laughs> and I and I went and I looked it up, and I said, that, "Absolutely, that's him." And she goes, "It's Jessica's." something rather and i was like that's crazy like how did they know that to contact us yeah how did they possibly know this was our house and i think they the jessica just figured out based on the pictures that my wife had shared and the yeah and the description of the house and he was stoked about the spiral staircase apparently hey it's a it was a cool quirk. it is cool like it's unique that's not yeah. in every house yeah no. yeah 100 percent but I I was surprised with the number of showings I had and the activity open house that I only had three offers. Well, but you explain that you're seeing that on a lot of stuff. A lot of buyers just are afraid to pull the trigger on anything right now. And it was a three bedroom, two bath with a little quirky layout and you were asking a pretty good price for it. So, you know, maybe people were still thinking it over, you know, well, could we put so-and-so up in that upstairs room or how would that look? And so my thought is, you know, when you see a 3-2 under 300,000, that's remodeled, and that wasn't a bad area, No. then a lot of people are going to go just go look at it first, and then they realize once they get there, well, I need a master bedroom, it needs to be on the first floor, or I need to have my kid near me, something like that. But it sounds like you found the right buyer because clearly he paid the best price and he still loves the house. Mm-hmm. Um how did escrow go? Was there any major hiccups, requests for repair issues, things like that? Oh, yeah, there was uh, one hiccup, um, although I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, I had provided the home the re- inspection reports from when I bought the house to the agent, and a lot of times a buyer will see those and be okay with it. I expected the buyer to probably just look at it and go, why am I going to spend 600 bucks on more inspections when I it was just, ju- just done, you know, like a couple months ago? Yeah. Uh, well, he decided to do his own inspections, and yeah, they did find a couple little things, which isn't unusual. But uh, the termite uh, company that went out, and I'm not a big fan of the termite company that they picked, found another two thousand dollars in work that they wanted done. So, 
after you had already paid $5,300 yes. to do what was supposed to be all the termite work. All of it. I, I paid for section <laughs> one and two, everything. So I called the company back up. They they were nice. They came back out and the guy walked their report with mine. It was a couple of things. He goes, I think these these are long dead termites, but we'll go ahead and we'll we'll treat for that anyway. And uh, it wound up, they charged me 200 bucks. Wow. Yeah. And there were drywood termites on the porch, so they didn't have to tent the house because it was technically a detached structure, yeah. which is which is fine. Um, they just treated them there. Wow, but yeah, that was that was a big win, and I'm a big fan of theirs now. Well, <laughs> I think termite companies specifically, the ones that we've worked with, when they make a mistake, they've been pretty good about covering it, mm-hmm. and I think that builds a lot of loyalty because termite companies. I mean, they're, if you're not in the business, you don't realize that they find the most expensive stuff most often. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you look at a termite guy walking around with a poker, you know, you, it, it seems kind of reasonable that they, that they would miss stuff. Um, and so it's good that they come back and they say, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll make good on it. Yeah. Um, and you'd given him $5,300 of already, yeah. already. Which I pointed out when he was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you made, made sure to bring it up again. Yeah. No, I get it. So you wrapped everything up. Can you share kind of what your total, yeah. what your budgeted cost for remodeling the house was and what you actually ended up at? Yeah. So I'm not going to, I don't know the exact numbers off exactly off the top of my head, but I, I roughly, yeah. Uh, so paid 185, sold for 297. I did take a uh, equity line loan out. That was another little wrench thrown into things. The equity line, when I got it, I think it was in January, the rate was about 6%, it's 5.995%. And when I took my first draw on it and I get my first bill, I realized the rate's now nine and a quarter. Oh, wow. Because it was tied to the uh, uh, inflation. Prime. Yeah, it was tied to, tied to prime rate and the rate's just gone crazy. I had no idea. I didn't even know that. Okay. So I the bills that I were expecting to be $900 are now coming in at 1500 Okay. And so there was a little bit more cost there. And I think I went a little bit over budget on the remodel. I think I was, I'm probably into it for about 65,000, including interest and closing costs and everything. And what were you expecting to be all in, including interest and closing costs originally? 5,500. It's 55,000. So, so you were about, off ten, about 10 grand. 10 grand. Yeah. I mean, considering that you don't do a ton of volume and considering you did it off of just a home inspection, to me, that's pretty dang close. I mean, if you're not flipping like a ton of houses and really have all the current cost of material mm-hmm. and everything, I am surprised that you ended up within 10,000, including having that jump in your interest rate. You know, yeah. that's pretty impressive. How did you feel about it? No, I was I'm thrilled about it. I was happy I got even more than I expected. I was originally going to list for 275 and I saw I got on like 23,000 more. Well, yeah. so that covers your, your <laughs> over plus a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you sell this thing. Are you comfortable sharing approximately what you pulled back? Yeah, I made about 40000 So you invested, uh, what is that, 235000 or 240000 You made forty extra. Yeah. It's a freaking killer deal. <laughs> and that's man. with an agent commission paid. Yeah. That's oh, there everything. you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was actually probably more more than sixty five. It might even be closer to 70 because yeah. of the agent commission. Because of the agent commission. Yeah. So penciling it out backwards, right? We're talking about the win, 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 right? Buyer walks into a quality home, quality product, absolutely stoked, right? Then we move to Scott, who nets around 40000 on the flip. 
Then we trace it back to us, who on our whole tail, what were we around? 32,000? 32, right? So 40, 32, and then the final win, the original agent seller who walked away with, we paid 140. We paid 140, and she thought she was going to get more like 110. I mean, 110. That was where our original numbers led us. We thought we were going to pay 112, and then... Because we were competing with somebody else and and we were rock'em sock'em robots right here on this whiteboard punching each other saying, no, we can go higher. No, we can't. Yes, we can. And we ended up buying it for 140 knowing that like there was a couple exit strategies. And then when you approached us, that's why we were like, hey, you know what? If Scott can make money on this, we get a new buyer who's good. We make enough money that we're like happy. You know, there's no need to take on the extra stress and risk since I think if I'm remembering correctly, I was the one who was saying... I don't think we can pay 140 and you were like we can totally pay 140 <laughs> and i was like i don't think so and then we paid 140 and it worked out great so yeah. i mean this is a perfect example i think the reason we wanted to have you on and i know we're kind of running at the end of time here is because you have a lot of experience we respect you because you both have demonstrated the uh longevity of continued education and, and continuing to expand but also you've kept your reputation really like really really good a lot of our listeners are people wanting to get into real estate either as a realtor or as an investor any suggestions to those people who you know are wanting to get started that you wish you may have known when you had started uh, as far as those two different routes there investor and, and realtor mm-hmm. and actually i would recommend if you want to be a wholesaler which almost everybody starts as i my my recommendation is don't become a realtor because I've been audited by the Department of Real Estate, and it's not fun. And all it takes is somebody whose grandkid is unhappy with the deal months later to go to the Department of Real Estate and say, you're defrauding old people. You know, if you don't have a license, then that just goes to court at best, probably nowhere. But if you have a license, all you got to do is call the Department of Real Estate and say, this guy's unethical, and now you're audited. Now you got them on your back. And I just don't, I don't see it as worth it. And I actually have told other very successful investors who got their license. I don't recommend you do that. They didn't listen to me. They got their license and nothing bad has happened. So it's probably not the end of the world if you do have your license and you want to get into that. But I personally wouldn't. Maybe I'm a little bit too careful there, but that's not what I would do. We make the same recommendation. Yeah, the same exact recommendation. (laughs) In fact, we've talked about actively stopping our license potentially because the liability that comes with it to the reward of the number of sales we're doing is pretty comparable. And so we've kind of gone back and forth on, you know, is it worth keeping that liability or would you rather be able to tell like a seller, hey, I'm not a realtor, I'm just an investor. Yeah. Well, cool. And to piggyback off that, like Scott was saying, we do have obviously a lot of our base listeners and people who watch are kind of those people wanting to get in or very, very new in the industry. But I know also we have a ton of wholesalers and investors who do have some deals under their belt, who do have you know deals that they are actively trying to dispo. What's your buy box for people who have deals who may be looking to assign and are looking for a great solid buyer? I'll look at anything within a 20 minute drive of Fresno that's up to probably 350. Okay. Boom. Okay. And single family only 
No, not necessarily. You'll look at commercial. I'll, I'll, well, not not commercial. I don't know enough about commercial to be comfortable there. But I anything residential, okay, including multifamily. I'll look at it, and I'm, I'll probably say I'll buy it. But I'll look at anything that <laughs> and underwrite it that I can make the numbers work. I'll I'll move on it. And so. then you gave me your business card before the podcast. But what's the best way for listeners? Because we do have people who send out deals. What's the best way for them to send you a deal? I just text me at five five nine nine one six five nine three two. Perfect. And your company name again, so they can Google it. Uh, Venture Realty Group. Perfect. Boom. Scott, thank you for coming on, man. That was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. This was a super cool deal. We were super happy to see you get through and have lunch with you after. And uh, we're looking forward to doing more deals. Yeah, me too. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, guys. We will see you guys next week for episode 108.